We're going to get, jump right into our sermon today. Uh, if you're new with us here this morning, uh, we've been going through the book of Proverbs this summer. And it's been a really, a really good uh, series. Even for me, I, I learned so much each week doing this. And, and typically in a, a sermon series like this, when you're focusing on practical wisdom and just drawing out these things from the scriptures, it's, it's typically very easy to prepare sermons in a series like this. But this week I struggled a lot. Uh, not because I, I didn't know what to say, but I didn't know uh, what to leave out. And this, this topic uh, is almost ironic that this, the, the sermon title is Choosing Your Words Wisely, because I really had to pray about it this week. Uh, we're talking about our speech as, as Christians, and the Proverbs speak a lot about this topic in a lot of different areas. And uh, just a reminder for you, that the book of Proverbs really is about instilling wisdom into the readers. And the belief was that in life you had two paths you could take, the path of wisdom or the path of foolishness, the path of what's right and the path of what's unjust or good and evil. No matter how you look at it, all of your decisions put you on a path. And what Solomon says over and over again is that your speech helps to identify what path you're on. The words you choose say a lot about you. And we talk a lot Okay, the average person shares between 10 and 12,000 words a day or speaks them out of their mouth. And every word you're choosing is important. So Solomon, in his wisdom, warns and instructs repeatedly about the types of words you use because they have great impact in the world around you and the relationships around you and your perspective of all that you see, how you speak is very important. And so I want to take a moment before we get into the Bible today just to pray for all of us. I think this is a message that's going to hit home for all of us, no matter where we are and the words we've said or the words we've heard. We're all going to be dealing with some sort of hurt or regret in this area. But God uh, can work in you and God can uh, change your heart in those things. So let's, let's pray together. So God, we thank you that you give us uh, such practical wisdom uh, that you, you love to see our hearts changed, and consequently you love to see our mouths, our tongues change with that. And so I pray for, for all of us today. This is an area we've all struggled in or we've all have uh, pain in. God, would you speak to us? Would you use these words as your words? And, and would you just, through your Holy Spirit, uh, just, just speak right into our hearts from your scriptures and so, God, I pray for that now, that we would walk away understanding the power of words, when to speak up and when to be quiet, but all of it is done through the power of your Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so we pray this now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I kind of uh, broke this up into three major areas for the morning. We're going to be looking at a lot of Proverbs. Uh, now, keep in mind, this is still about this much that we'll be looking at today of what's written in the Proverbs about, about our speech. But to start with, let's turn to Proverbs 18, uh, verse 21. And this really is talking about the power of words. Now, you've all heard the expression, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not proverbial wisdom. All right, what the Proverbs are saying is that words have great power to hurt people. And we all know this. There's probably things that have been spoken to you that have been hurting for a long time, years or decades, that still 
haunt you, that still affect you emotionally. And many times our physical wounds will heal well before the emotional wounds that we might occur, incur from, from words. And in the same way, you have words you've spoken that you really regret and you wish you could take them back, but you can't. There's great power in words. And so Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And this verse is actually saying a lot that we're going to unpack here in a moment. But this idea, this general idea is found all through the Proverbs. And Proverbs 15.1, it says that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stirs up anger. And again, that idea is said in many different ways in many different times. That words alone have the ability to build bridges or burn bridges. You can give someone wings or you can clip their wings. Encourage or discourage. And and modern studies actually have a lot to say about this. That kids who grow up in a home who hear affirming words like, I love you or I'm proud of you, are vastly more successful than, than kids who don't and have a better outlook on life. Words can change the course of life. And this verse takes it to the furthest extent, that there's immense power in words of both life and death. It says, those who love it will eat its fruit, meaning those who love their mouths will eat the fruit of their mouths. There's products of the words that you speak. And really what this is saying is that your tongue, your mouth is really just an extension of your heart, the reality of your heart. And I'm talking really, or this verse is talking about the habits of your tongue, right? Because even people with really good hearts are going to occasionally say things they wish they wouldn't have said. But if you're one that consistently encourages and builds up and edifies those around you, it's because you have a heart that loves to see the joy and the success of those who are surrounding you. But if your habit of the tongue is to consistently nitpick and insult and be rude and pick arguments, then it's a reflection that that your heart is rotten, that you love the feeling of being superior as you put other people down and create conflicts. The, The tongue is an extension of your heart, and that you'll love whatever your mouth says and you'll eat the fruit of it, whether it's encouragement or discouragement. And this is an idea that Jesus expounds upon in the New Testament several different times and says it much more clearly in Luke 6 as he's talking about the fruit of a tree. You know a tree by its fruit. He says a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Words are powerful because it expresses the deepest realities of who you are, whether good or bad. It reveals to people what path you're on. And they have the potential for great good or great damage. And this is to quote the great theologian Stan Lee, as he wrote about Spider-Man, with great Power comes great responsibility. 
If you flip back to Proverbs 12, you have to understand the power of your words and be responsible with them. And this, again, is one, uh, one proverb. There's many others that say roughly the same thing. But it reads, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Be responsible with your words, understanding the power that comes with them. We have a tendency to downplay our words. And when people get upset with us or hurt by our words, we say, what, I, I was just speaking the truth? Or why do you have to be so sensitive all the time? And we put the fault on them for the rotten words that we chose. But the reality is that words matter. And our responsibility is important in this. A couple of other Proverbs, in, in Proverbs 25, 18, this is out of the NLT, it says that telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe or wounding them with a sword or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Proverbs 26, 18. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. That's what the Proverbs are saying, is if you're careless with your words and irresponsible, you're like someone that's shooting a weapon without any concern about who this might hit. The consistent point made throughout the Proverbs is that being careless with your mouth is like firing a weapon into a crowd with no care. It's dangerous. Words have great power, and with that comes great responsibility. It's the power to hurt or heal. The power of life and death. And that's the base point we all have to be at, because if you don't understand or accept that, then nothing that's going to be said here will matter. Words have great power, and we need to be responsible with them. So wisdom, oftentimes, is just learning when to keep your mouth shut. And that's what many Proverbs say in many different ways. Understand when to be quiet. We're going to start with Proverbs 21, 23. It says, Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. In other words, if you can control your mouth... You're going to keep yourself out of a lot of trouble. Now, we've all heard if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Now, that's not quoting the Proverbs, but it's essentially what they're saying over and over again. That is godly wisdom. Learn to tame the tongue and guard your mouth. And this really has to do with self-control. This is a an idea carried into the New Testament, a fruit of the Spirit, that God can help you with guarding your mouth and taming your tongue because we're frankly just very bad at it. We get angry and frustrated and impatient and we say the things we shouldn't say, but learning to keep your mouth closed will save you from a lot of trouble. Because the little fact is that you never have to apologize for something you didn't say. Guard your mouth. I'm going to give you five areas from the Proverbs. Again, this is something that, that we could talk about all day. You could have keep your mouth closed, part one, two, and three as sermons over the next three weeks. 
But we're going to talk about just five areas that really have to do with our relationships with others, because I think that's where we inflict the most amount of pain with our mouths. And the first is to avoid contentious speech. Keep your mouth closed if you're going to be contentious. And this is out of Proverbs 26, 21. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. Now, this is the kind of speak from the speech from a kind of person that is, loves creating issues. They've always got a bone to pick with people, and they always want to argue about everything. They complain, they critique, they insult. They have a problem, and they're surely going to let you know about it. And nothing ever seems to be to their liking. They seem to be an expert in any given area. They'll argue even about the smallest of details. And more important for the contentious person, more important than being heard, is being right. And they're okay with any path of destruction to be there. The quarrelsome person kindles strife. And what this means is strife not just in their own lives, but in the lives around them. And they become the kind of person that when you see them walking towards you, you quickly have to go to the bathroom and you don't want to sit down and have a talk too long because you know it's going to go in a direction you don't want it to go. They complain and argue to get what they want, but it comes at a great cost. They have no real friends. This is against God's will and speech. You should be covering everything you say in grace and understanding. Avoid contentious speech. Now, the second is to avoid pot stirring and gossip. Right? This is along kind of the same lines, but this is out of Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Now, we've, we've already addressed gossip in this series. Gossip is not an innocent thing. Okay? Gossip is a sin, and we're warned against it. God hates Gossip And gossip is very destructive to friendships and to communities. We also talk about people who are stirring up conflict. We know of in our modern terms as pot stirring. And it says that a perverse person will do this. This isn't talking specifically like about a sexually perverse person, but, but this means someone who perverts truth, that they'll distort embellish or fabricate details for the purpose of creating conflicts. They love surrounding themselves with drama and talking down about people. And, and typically, these kinds of words are going to start with, or these kind of statements are going to start with, did, did you hear about, or everyone is saying, or I shouldn't say this, but. Right? It's the things like, if you shouldn't say it, then don't. And if everyone is saying it, then you shouldn't have to tell this person. It's people who love to twist details and embellish facts for their own gain. They want the, class, the, the, the conflict around them. They love the drama. Avoid this kind of speech. This next one goes one step further. Slander. Again, this is an Old Testament and a New Testament idea. We read about slander a lot, especially in Paul's epistles and the New Testament. But in Proverbs 10, verse 18... We read, whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. 
Slander is lying about someone with the intent of causing others to view that person in a negative light. This goes beyond just kind of embellishing details or or leaving out important facts, but really just lying about them. And this is completely malicious and on purpose. The intention with slander is to completely destroy another person's reputation. Why? Well, typically it's rooted in the fact that you have a problem with them. And rather than talking to that person, you want to talk about that person. Bringing issues into the light, you want to go in the shadows and talk around them. And you feel like if you can get enough other people to dislike them, that you're going to win. That's the idea of concealing hatred. It's not addressing the issue with the person, but destroying them in the shadows. And simply put, God hates this. God hates this. This is the kind of stuff that we're warned against over and over again. But this can take people down. It can ruin reputations. They can lose jobs. And God doesn't speak too kindly about those who slander, especially those who slander other believers. Keep your mouth shut when it comes to slander. This is something that's close, but kind of on the opposite side of slander is flattery. And this is one that you actually see a lot in our culture, flattery. This is found in Proverbs 26, verse 28. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Now, we tend to think that flattery is a good thing because we confuse it with encouragement. But a flattering mouth is, is also translated in the Bible as honey lips or sweet talk. It's telling people what they want to hear for your own gain. And for the listener, it's actually really hard to tell the difference between flattery and encouragement. But in your heart, as the speaker, you know the difference between the two. You're trying to get something out of them. And and flattery is really just a form of manipulation. For someone to admire you back or for you to have self-advancement or any other kind of desired income it might be, flattery is is something we see a lot, uh, especially in the political world. Right, that we call pandering as well. And it's these golden moments when you see the politician who's running for office and they come out and say, I'm so glad to be in the greatest city in the greatest state with the hardest working people in the country, Omaha, Nebraska. And the aide comes out, uh, uh, sir, we are in Kansas City, Missouri. And he's like, oh, I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. But we do that often where we give people what is perceived as a compliment, but really just flattering them because they want us, we want them to like us, or we want them to exalt ourselves in some way. It's it's purely selfish, and it comes at the cost of the dignity of others. Proverbs condemns flattery. And the last one is really important. Deception, lying. Proverbs 12, 22 reads that the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. And this is really talking about lying of any kind, for any purpose and to any degree. This is from the white lie to the bold-faced lie. God detests lying lips. Now, fortunately, most people are bad liars, including myself, But what the Proverbs are telling us is that there's no such thing as a good liar. 
Because God is never fooled. He knows when you have lying lips, and he detests it. Why do we lie? Well, first, I think it's because we're born that way. I think in the hearts of all people in fallen nature is the desire to lie. And it starts even with kids when you ask them if they were eating chocolate, with chocolate over their face, and it's a no. But you know they did. But mostly we lie because we want to gain or avoid something. And we think that deceiving or manipulating the truth is going to help us. But in the end, all it does is hurt us. It hurts those around us. And most importantly, it hurts God. Avoid lying. We have to be careful with our words and learn, to when, learn when to keep our mouth closed. And by doing so, understanding when to be quiet can save you from a lot of trouble. Now, the other side of that in wisdom is understanding when to speak, when to speak up. And now wisdom says we should listen more than we should speak. But there's also times that we must speak if we are wise. Go to Proverbs 20, verse 15. It says, Gold there is, and rubies in abundance, but lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. Knowledge is is knowing God. It's knowing his heart, his word, and his will. And as you come to gain knowledge in God, you gain a precious resource. Essentially what this verse is saying is that there are vast amounts of treasure in the world, more gold and rubies and, and the things of this world you couldn't even count. But knowledge is a precious resource that only few have. And wisdom is knowing what to say and how to say it and when to say it. And if God blesses you with knowledge, you should share it. To speak into the lives of friends and families, to teach others, to be a resource to those around you. And we're going to focus on two major areas of of when to speak, and that's really when to encourage people and when to correct people. And encouragement is really hey, you're going on the right path, keep going. Look at Proverbs 12, 25. We need to be ready to encourage others. It reads, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Now, we all deal with lots of stuff, stuff that can weigh us down. And even when you're doing everything right, You could be experiencing a lot of hard things. And we have the ability as Christians especially to encourage one another and share some really simple things like, I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. God is with you. You're doing well. Keep going. Words can undo, encouraging words can undo the anxieties we face as Christians. And this is really the design of God's family, is we're not here to tear each other down, but to build each other up and to encourage each other on our path with Jesus. Now, unfortunately, most of us, the hardest things we're going to hear and the, the biggest pains we have with words are probably going to come from within the church. 
Because Satan wants nothing more for us than to stop encouraging one another. Because encouragement is something that brings you closer to God. It makes you more bold in your pursuit, in your faith in him. But Satan wants us divided. He wants us arguing over dumb, dumb things and putting each other down. In the New Testament, when things were hard, when persecution was rampant and people were divided over many things, the topic of encouragement was brought up over and over again. Ephesians 4.29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those that listen. And in Hebrews 3.13, Encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. And basically what that means is, if this is a day that ends in Y, encourage each other. Always be speaking words of encouragement because this is God's design for the church. Of course, I'm speaking about encouraging people when they're doing well. People are going to make mistakes too. And that brings the opposite side of when you need to speak up. Be willing to correct others. Be willing to correct others. This is awkward and hard. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And we've created this culture of mind your own business and let everyone do as they wish. You do you, right? Follow your heart. And in that, if that sneaks into the church, we allow people to go on paths of self-destruction. We know if God has given us wisdom that what they're doing is wrong. But we're taught, don't say anything, let them go. What this says is that those who let people go on a path of destruction are not loving. That's what an enemy does, is they multiply kisses. Makes you think that they care, but they actually don't. True friends, true brothers and sisters in Christ tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And there's many ways we can speak into the lives of others, but this is something we also get incorrect. And I'm going to give you a quick guide through the Proverbs, five ways to correct people in a loving way. And it really has to do with this, using the right words from the right person in the right way at the right time and to the right person. We go through this kind of fast here, but you have to use the right words when it comes to loving confrontation. And Proverbs 2, 6 says that the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And really what this means is you're not just giving someone your mere opinion if you want to correct them in something or confront them in any way, but that true wisdom comes from the mouth of God. And that if you're going to speak up, make sure that you're speaking consistent with the principles of God's word. Because he is the one who can offer correction and wisdom in all areas. It needs to come from the right person. Proverbs 26, 17 says, Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel that is not their own. 
No, a modern expression is not my dog, not my fight. You have to ask yourself, is this really your concern if you're going to speak up into it? Because you may, be get, you may get more than you bargain for if you're poking your nose into matters that are not your own. It's like grabbing the ear of a stray dog. And there's some who are the confrontation police who always want to call out every person around them and putting them in their place and getting in their business. Don't speak up if it's not your concern. And don't try to convince yourself you're the right person if you aren't. This is an area, there is no guidebook on it, unfortunately. But this is where you can seek wisdom on it, pray about it. And God will prompt you to speak up if you're supposed to speak up. You also have to do it in the right way. Proverbs 24, 29. Don't say, I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. A lot of times when you speak up into situations, it's simply because you want to settle the score. You want to get back at them. Get revenge. You could also say that you have to speak up for the right reason. It really comes down to a, a question only you can answer. Where is your heart with this? Why are you speaking up on this issue? Is it because you love them and you want the best for them, or you want to feel better than them? And the New Testament talks about this a lot, that you have to charitably admonish your brothers and sisters or gently correct them. It means you need to speak directly to them, but with gentleness. Proverbs twenty-four twenty-six says, An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Now, they sure use kiss on the lips a lot in the Proverbs. But what this is saying is that if you can speak directly to someone, it's better than our Minnesota nice passive-aggressive way of, of approaching things, where you never really say what you mean, and you come about everything in a roundabout way, be both gentle and direct. And some are good at being gentle but not direct, others at being direct and not gentle. When you correct someone, you have to do it in the right way in which you do both. Now, fourth is at the right time. Timing is everything in this. Proverbs 15, 23 says, A person finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? You may have done everything right before this. But if you fail here, your words may not matter. And see, if you're talking to a spouse about something, maybe the wrong time to do it is five minutes before they're trying to get out the door to work. Or right, right as they get home after a stressful day. Or at a birthday party for your child. The right words at the right time matter. And this is, again, something you need to pray about for discernment. Typically, we wait too long to talk about things, or we're too hasty and we try to push it in the wrong place. Pray about the right time to confront someone. And the last point is that you need to speak to the right person. This is an idea uh, repeated many times in the Proverbs, but in, in 17, verse 10, it says that a rebuke impresses a discerning person more than a hundred lashes a fool. What this means is don't waste your time trying to correct a fool. You're going to wear yourself out. The person you're talking to needs to be open to correction. And we've, we learn that in the, the Proverbs, every believer should be open to correction. 
But we waste a lot of time trying to hold those who do not profess Christ accountable to Christian standards. And that's never been our calling. As Christians, your first responsibility is to the family of God. And this doesn't mean that any believer you may confront will be instantly thrilled with what you say. Sometimes it takes a while for them to come around, maybe even years. There's a good chance it's going to hurt. What you say is going to pierce like a sword. But ultimately, I believe that that those who are in Christ and have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, they are going to come around to it. And they're going to see the light on the situation. They're going to be thankful for your words. But trying to correct someone who does not believe in God and trying to hold them to Christian standards is like putting a square peg in a round hole. You can try over and over again, harder from every angle, but it's going to end up fruitless and frustrating for you. But the truly wise, when confronted and corrected, they will ultimately be thankful for the words you share with them. So be willing and ready to speak up at the right times, to encourage or to correct. But do it all rooted in God's wisdom that he grants you. And speak from the heart that only he can give. So if you weren't paying attention to any of the sermon, I'm going to give you the one-sentence recap today. God's wisdom for words is understanding when to shut up and when to speak up. Now, failing in either manner is going to cause pain and hardship in your life and, and those around you. And the reality is we've all failed in both of those things. And that is when you need to pray up. The good news here is that there is a fresh start in Christ, and in him is all forgiveness and reconciliation, because Jesus is one that never sinned in any way, but especially with his lips. First Peter 22 says that he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Jesus was the only one who lived up all of the Proverbs and their wisdom and words perfectly. He had every opportunity to sin with his mouth. He could have dressed down the Pharisees in a way that was unduly cruel. He could have talked down to his disciples and saying, why are you so dumb that you don't get this? He could have walked away from the woman at the well and said, did you hear about the Samaritan woman? But he didn't. Jesus did this perfectly, and with that came righteousness and reconciliation. That's the ministry of Jesus, is to usher into our hearts a place of forgiveness and restoration with others, that through Jesus, he can make all things new. And that's what I want to leave us off with today. As we talked about to start the sermon, is that undoubtedly, all of you are dealing with some sort of past hurt or regret when it comes to words. Pray about it. Be willing to forgive others. Be willing to ask for an apology and offer a chance at reconciliation. There's too many things that fester for years or decades or a lifetime where people are still mad at each other, can't even remember what word was spoken. But if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Jesus offers a chance at a fresh start. 
and his ministry is grace and forgiveness and restoration. Apologize. Forgive. And don't let any mistakes when it comes to words continue to have their destructive power in your life. Pray up. Bring it to God. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your wisdom and your guidance in this area. And certainly for me, uh, this was, this is convicting. This is convicting to read all this and, and to put this together in this sermon, this, in this time, and thinking, why should I be giving this sermon, knowing all the ways I've failed in these areas? But God, we know that none of that matters before your throne, your, your throne of righteousness and grace that you can work in the hearts of people to make them new, to offer forgiveness, to offer restoration. So God, I pray for that. Anyone here today that's been holding on to these hurts on either side of the issue, that they'd be willing to let that go and to start over. But God, I pray that we would fully understand the power of our words, that we can use them to build up or to tear down. But God, give us wisdom, knowing when to be quiet, knowing when to speak up, but God, that we could do so in a way that reflects who you are. So God, we know all of this is pow- uh, possible through your power. God, through the ways that you work in our lives and change our hearts, may you do that now in this, that we would choose our words wisely as you work in us. We pray this now in your name, Jesus. Amen.